It's Amber here. Hi, and Molly, too. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome to a tiny topics, but instead of one of us, you get the pleasure of both of us. Two dose homies. Two is always better than one. Two is always better than one. Are you shocked that you get two people during a tiny topic? Because I I actually am. We literally just had this um, (sighs) idea. An idea like 40 minutes ago 40 minutes ago (laughs) (laughs) so surprise and we also just want to apologize in advance there Mm -hmm. will not be a full episode this week technical difficulties i guess we'll say yeah yeah so that's why you're getting a tiny topic with both of us so hopefully this will hold you guys over until the next week yeah and you know this is also diving into a lot of i guess like graphic content already so usually this should be enough it's like a tiny topic you, but it's a big bite you, it's a big it's a big deal it's a okay? big ravioli it's a, it's a ravioli you know, tailioni. <laughs> <laughs> so i am actually going to be doing the tiny topics this week and i'm gonna do it on sexual gratification and sadistic Ooh. rapists oh yeah so again i apologize in advance this is going to be very graphic there's a lot of detail in here and a lot of trigger warnings. So yeah. if this is not your cup of tea, I completely understand and I totally get it. That's why it's a tiny topics and it's not a full blown hour of sadistic rapists. You guys would like that anyways. You would you want an hour of sadistic <laughs> rapage. Mm, that sounded a little that sounded rough. I'm sorry. But I mean this is just a psychological dive. It's not like we're, you know, yeah. we're just trying to better understand it. Just like you guys. The mm-hmm. reason why we love true crime is because we just want to know what is what the hell? What mm-hmm. is this? And so I in my master's program, and this is probably something that y'all just don't even really care about, but I've actually studied sex offender typology. So this is definitely something that I'm genuinely interested in and I have a passion for. So that's why I'm doing it. I have a passion for craziness. So let's do it. That's why we're friends. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So again, I'm going to be talking about sexual gratification and sadistic rapists. Now, uh, this is going to be a very tough topic. Um, I will tell you trigger warning right before I get into some, you know, graphic content. So if you hear that, just know, skip ahead like 10, 15 seconds, you're going to be good. So sexual gratification and sadistic rapists could also be considered either one or two separate offender typologies, only because they both share the same aspect of being sexually motivated. So they both take pleasure, which is that gratification piece, and giving it to their own sexual desires, which could be to be compelled to rape. Mm -hmm. It could be the reason for why they feel that need. Yes. Usually a sexually gratified rapist has a higher sexual desire, and this offender typology is sometimes subtyped into defining exactly what is causing the obsession. So if the obsession is due to combining sex and violence, they are now considered a sadistic rapist. If you feel that your needs for sexual gratification is not going to be met by just the rape in itself and you have to commit more violence, that is the reason for that subtype of sadistic rituals. That 
kind of makes me feel like the toy box killer when he had to make sure that people were painful to even feel sexual mm-hmm. pleasure. So yeah. that's kind of what you're saying? Yeah. Like if it just wasn't enough to even rape somebody, it had to be like, I'm going to actually hurt you or like else torment. I actually, but like, mm-hmm. why? We'll get into it. Okay. Now, some obsessions that are due to like the dominant needs and shortages are usually considered non-sadistic and placed into a category between high or low social competence. So that just means whether or not they could fit into society perfectly. Mm. Usually people with lower social competence, so they have a hard time fitting in, those are going to be like your non-sadistic, those are your more awkward people. Mm. The higher social competency, the people that can kind of get along with people that are charming, those are going to be your sadistic rapists because if they're more open about their sexual desires and can display them freely, they're considered more like overt, like obvious about their sexual desires. So somebody who would be less sadistic would be just like a serial rapist, but mm-hmm. somebody who would be more outgoing and charming could be a serial rapist and then turn into a sadistic killer exactly. with the rapist. More likely. Yeah. More yeah. likely. And and if they don't display those desires openly, they're considered a muted I guess, sexual gratification piece, if that makes sense. Yeah. Usually sadistic rapists are unlike opportunistic rapists, and those are the people that just will take whatever they can get. Mm -hmm. They feel the need to rape, and they're not planning out their day. They're just seeing a girl walk down the street, or it could be a guy, and I just... Um, But yeah, they're seeing somebody that they just have that sexual need, and that's when they attack. They don't plan. It's more... Impulsive. Impulsive. Yeah, Yeah. it's more impulsive behavior. Whereas these sexual sadists are more premeditating their rape and selecting their victim with a very specific characteristic. Yeah. So for example, if they have a certain hair color, hair length, depends on their breast size, if they're tall, if they're short... If they have big or small feet, those are going to be very specific characteristics that these sadistic rapists are looking for. Yeah, exactly. They're also fascinated with just inflicting pain and suffering as well as humiliation and dominance over others. Mm, That is the toy box killer for sure. Mm -hmm. He was humiliated all of his. It was like the biggest part of his thing. Exactly. That's you. They also combine both sexual arousal and aggression. So again... Sometimes this need for brutality could also lead to murder, which turns the sadistic rapists into sadistic murderers. People are always chasing a high, and they want that high, and it's like you can only get so much, and people with Mm -hmm. that addictive personality Personality. can't stop until they get the ultimate high. Exactly. Whoa. So a really good example of this sadistic murderer was the infamous Ted Bundy. We are finally going to be talking about... Zach Efron. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I hate you for that reference. <laughs> for the record, I have not watched that. <gasps> are you serious? Not, like, I want to. Oh, it's so good. I like I, it. I, like, told myself that I was going to watch it, but I just never did. I personally liked it. That's just my <laughs> own opinion. Anyways. <laughs> so, Ted Bundy, if you guys don't know, he raped, tormented, and murdered 30 women but ultimately admitted to killing 36 later on between the years of 1973 and 1978. Now, this was also to just reach that strong orgasmic high. Mm -hmm. So Bundy also had preference for college girls. This is the, you know, victim typology. Mm. 
college girls who seem to come from good backgrounds because by association, this alleviated his ex. It was as if he was marrying up, you know, like... Yeah, I remember them talking about how he was... It It made him feel better about himself mm-hmm. when he was able to do this to somebody with a better social status yep. than his own. Exactly, yeah. Fuck, that's interesting. He would then beat them with a crowbar, strangle them from behind, and rape them in and out of consciousness. I so, again, that. I'm sorry, Ugh. trigger warning... She didn't warn you like she said she was going to. You know what this is when you read the title. You don't need five trigger warnings. (laughs) The title was your warning. Yeah, the title was your trigger warning. And the, like, two minutes in the very beginning. Yeah. But, yeah, so this was how he perceived his, like, sexual pleasure and dominance over these women. So there's a lot of, like, different sex offender typologies. And we'll definitely get more into those later on. But for the most part, this offender is just one to not mess with. They're usually so ruthless. Mm. It's one of the more brutal typologies. Yeah, you don't, um, let's just say, persuade a sexual sadist to not do what they want to do. Exactly, yeah. They're only thinking about themselves and their sexual gratification because they feel like their own personal sexuality and the gratification that they get is way higher and needs to be met immediately that's just so humans are weird (laughs) selfish selfish sexually selfish in every way let's just be real yeah yeah they're definitely putting themselves over anybody else obviously i mean usually rapists do they yeah (laughs) clearly clearly Now, another sadistic rapist example who reenacted sexual fantasies involving torture or pain is going to be another infamous uh, murderer, serial killer, Jeffrey Dahmer. Dahmer, my Gemini man. (laughs) (laughs) Now, Dahmer was a serial killer in the 80s and convicted of rape, dismemberment, necrophilia, and cannibalism. So, all I'm saying is that all these are a little bit extreme that's extreme if you need that to be feel feel pleasure that orgasmic high yeah i mean you're just missing a lot of things in your brain i think that sounds fucked Mm -hmm. up but they do studies where it's like they need extra stimuli and that's why they go to these extremes Mm -hmm. to reach the stimuli that an average person would get yeah your neurons are not firing at the correct pace no no (laughs) Dahmer also had 17 different victims, and they all had, again, a very specific victim typology. Mm -hmm. We're seeing a pattern here. It is a pattern. It's an MO, if you will. (laughs) And we'll also get into MOs later. Oh, yeah, yeah. (laughs) So all of Dahmer's victims were slim fit, slightly muscular, they had smooth skin, and they could not have any hair in place. Yeah, that's odd. There's also been a few articles that mentioned he would actually shave his victims mm. before eating them. Well, that makes sense. Yeah. It's but it's real. just, it's weird that he, like, is comparing, I guess, like, human food, human human nutrition, but it, not in the good human nutrition way, but... I mean, to, cannibalism is not natural, so yeah. everything he's doing is just not natural. Yeah, but he's comparing it to the natural world. That's what oh, I was absolutely. saying. Oh, yeah. No, yeah. for real. 
He even referred to his ideal victim as the Chippendale type. So his preference... (laughs) His preference were adult males approximately the same age without any racial preference. But of course, he did go into younger males as well, some as young as 14 years old. There's two 14-year-olds in his victimology. He don't got no type. That is crazy. And, um, you know, one of his first sexual encounters is something that you actually told me. Yeah, if you haven't seen, like, the Jeffrey, like, My Friend Dahmer movie, he, and, you know, like, I, I'm not, like, a Dahmer expert, but he had a male, like, doctor. And he would, like, obviously give him checkups and, like, you know, the cough, you know, thing. And <laughs> the he, squat and cough. You know, the grab and cough and then, you know. <laughs> yeah, the checking for hernias. Whatever that is. I don't know what it, what they, why they do that. I don't have balls. But <laughs> he saw him jogging on the side of the road and you could just tell, like, in his eyes he was like, oh, shit, like, I think I'm attracted to, to men. And his doctor, I mean, in the movie he looked quite attractive. So mm-hmm. if that's really what happened in real life, I think it, it says a lot to him going through puberty, him having his first sexual experience, and then, like, translating to what his victims are like. Yeah. And that, for me, I mean, because I've never watched that movie either. I'm what the fuck up. is wrong with you? They're both I like, good movies. Well, we've talked about this. My, I guess, like, learning type is I need to read. I need to like read it myself and then make my own assumptions or compare and contrast. I can't just watch movies. Otherwise, like, I don't know. I feel like all the movies that I watch, like I hate documentaries 90% Mm. of the time because I'm like, I watch movies to relax and like not really think of real things. That's fair. But you I should like still some, watch them. <laughs> I know. I was like, but I like some documentaries and I like some true crime stuff. So it's like all my true crime I still like, you know? Yeah, I feel you. Like snapped. You'll get to it. You'll get to it. We'll have a movie night. Now, with sadistic rapists, their main goal is to kill their victims. It's a power move. They want a godlike, you know, complexity. Ew. Their sexual aggressiveness is going to play into their own fantasies. So, again, they're using their aggressive behavior to get off. Yeah, I'd say so. Their method of approach is typically by conning their victims. They want to lure them into a trap to feel more masculine and controlling. Yeah, it's literally, literally predator prey. Mm-hmm. It's about, and that that makes me, when I hear stuff like that, it makes me really just think about how we're all just fucking animals because that is animal shit. That's primal shit. It's just an instinctive thing, an instinctive thing inside of you, but translates to something bigger because you're a human being and you yeah. can express things in other more detailed ways. Yeah. For me, it's more along the lines of not really having any ethics or morals and you're just doing that instinctive behavior and not really giving into any like social biases, social grievances, like nothing. You're just thinking of yourself. You don't even care about how society acts. No, clearly. Their uh, method of attack is also by physical force or by weapons. So that's their their choice of attacking, attack methods. Um, sometimes their method of attack can also be difficult to predict, and this is only known um, because... These predators, they want their sexual needs to be met within a 30-day time range. Mm. So once they do it, they're constantly feeling the need to do it again. Like Just like you said earlier, 
your, I guess, adrenaline is so high. And once it's met, you want to kind of overcome that and overstep your boundaries and feel that need again, feel that high again. Yeah. And usually you see this pattern within 30 days, a 30 day cycle. That's crazy. I mean, it's just like a drug addiction is really comparable to a sex addiction when they do, when you talk about people like that, because the endorphins and Mm -hmm. stuff like that. So it really is like a drug for them. And if you do drugs, if you're addicted to drugs, you're not going to last more than a week, a couple days without at least needing something. Exactly. Yeah. And your endorphins are are very similar compared to sex and drugs. Like you're releasing very similar, you know, endorphins out. So it's pleasurable. It's pleasurable. These typologies also, if they go more than 30 days, this is when you start seeing violent behavior. Ooh. Mm-hmm. And this violent behavior usually bleeds into their day-to-day life. Oh. Um, and we'll get more into that soon as well. Mm. Their verbal behavior is initially distinctively charming and intelligent. So they gain their trust through their conning but sometimes they can be very hostile and their languages are more profane than others. I feel like I've met a few of these people in my life. <laughs> just, by, just by that, honestly. This typology also tends to have extreme mood swings during their encounters with their victims, mm. but it's only mm. because if it's not going the way that they had planned it to go, if they get upset because it's taking longer than expected, or like the victim is putting up a fight, it angers them. That's, I've seen people like this. (laughs) (laughs) They also demand to be called certain names during the attacks. And again, it's to establish their dominance. And they use play words like daddy, lord, master. Ew. Yeah. If you don't know about the serial killer, Andrew Urialis, do you know about him? Yes. So when he was going to kill one of his, like, last victims who got away, he, like, told her to say, I love you. Like, he was literally forcing her, like, tell me you love me, tell me you love me. And that kind of, that was what that reminds me of, is it's like. It's very similar. Yeah. They Uh, need something they're missing. Yeah. That's crazy. It's to strip them of their humanity. These types of sadistic rapists also have more of a dominant, submissive type of relationship, regardless if it's with their victims or in their own personal life. Whoa. Uh, The subtypes also, again, humiliate their victim through torture, and they just want their victims to confess that their life is meaningless. So, and this is just a side note that I have in my notes, but sometimes having constant trigger warning, sometimes having constant rough sex in your personal life could also be a subtle hint that you might be a little sadistic. You're that, showing signs of sadistic behavior. Absolutely. Honestly, I okay, talking about this, I can think of a thousand true crime cases. Yeah. In my life. Well, obviously, because it's like, this isn't normal behavior, so this is obviously leading to murders and, and stuff. Or true so, crime. Or itself, true crime. Yeah. And so it's just like, mm-hmm. it's interesting. It's interesting that so many people that have done so many different fucked up things were all similar in one way. They were sick. That just made it beautiful. Thank you. (laughs) That was a beautiful description. They call me Little Shakespeare. (laughs) I hate you. (laughs) Oh, man. So now we're going to get into, I guess, like a good background of their sexual history. So 
these typologies, this offender, they usually have an extensive pornography collection and that I hate, I hate saying that word. I like yeah. pornography. Uh, it doesn't sound right and uh, like rolling off my tongue. Yeah, it sucks because like there's nothing wrong with consensual pornography that's healthy. But when you're but, ordering it, but when it's like not good. Yeah, when you're using it for unhealthy reasons, for mental reasons, like it's hard. It's just a gross word. <laughs> Whether you like it or not. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> now, these um Pornography collections are not your normal, Mm -hmm. you know, like Girl Next Door, the usual ones. These are more BDSM, like bonding. Again, using that dom, submissive, that whole area in sexual behaviors. Torture porn. Yeah. There's literally like snuff porn. I mean... Mm-hmm. There's some there's some nasty shit out there, and this people and the dark web has only made it more accessible for sick people to get even yeah. sicker things. And back in Ted Bundy's day, he wasn't even seeing half of the stuff you have. Exactly. Now. I don't know why I'm telling you this. You just need to know. They're also very excited by their victims' emotional and physical pain, and they get off on how much that person is crying out, usually just being as brutal as possible. They want their victims to cry out for mercy, for their parents, for the Lord. They want people to cry out because that just, again, makes them feel like they are in control. They're powerful. Exactly. Like my life is in your Yeah, a godlike complex. Hands. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, there's usually sexual fantasies including inserting random objects in your mm-hmm, orifices. Orifices. Not just one. I mean, we have many orifices. All of them. All the orifices. All the orifices. And again, I'm sorry, trigger warning. I just, it doesn't roll out of my mouth. And it's very unsatisfying when these words come out. So I, I again, apologize. It do be like that. It do be like that, though. And as you can already guess, these offenders also have more of a rough-styled sex life for their personal life before they even gave into these urges. So again, another example of this is, it's going to be really graphic, trigger warning, rough anal sex followed by oral sex where their victim or at the time their partner, which could be considered a victim depending on how it all played out. Once their parts were inserted into the anus, they would then throw their parts into the victim's mouth. Yeah, it's called ass to mouth. <laughs> I was trying to be, I guess, less <laughs> aggressive, but yes. <laughs> and again, this is just like, I don't know, a more common method of their sexual behavior for these typologies to establish ascendancy, to establish control, to establish their their higher It's a complex. degrading, it's, it's in a degrading. way degrading them mm-hmm. because it's like, look what I just did to you. That's just complex. How mm-hmm. do we get here? How did we get here? Was my master's Somebody help me how we got here. <laughs> God. <laughs> now, um, there's also, I guess, like some of these sadistic rapists, they also want to collect souvenirs. So like panties, jewelry, uh, shirt, you know, clothing, whatever. Um, whatever they can find from their victims because they want to be constantly reminded 
and get that orgasmic high by just reliving through that moment. Yeah. Some of the more physical fetishes are usually body parts. So again, with the necrophilia, the dismemberment, another example of why Dahmer was a really good fit for this typology. Mm-hmm. Their MO, told you, I said told that you, mm-hmm. modus operandus. <laughs> Uh, it's usually all planned out, so again, premeditated, and they ha- tend to have more of an authoritative position. So those are the ones that could be easily trusted because of their physical appearance. You know, meanwhile, they're, you know, very attractive. They're charming. They're intelligent. They just are the ones that are constantly gaining their victims' trust immediately. Yeah. Their MOs are highly ritualistic, so they're preying on vulnerable, seducible, non-aggressive, low self-esteem victims. And they're doing that over and over again because once they feel like they have gained their victims' trust and completed their task, keyword task, Mm. that is when they have that sexual gratification. Once they feel like they can get away with it, their 30-day cycle starts again. I'll leave you with a few more things about the actual typology, and we'll get into a few different things later. But usually these sexual sadists often have a secret life. (laughs) Some of these people are married. They're middle-class family men or women. BTK. White-collared occupation, all of that. Not just fit in, but more of to feel normal. That's literally BTK. Mm-hmm. He wanted so badly to be normal. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know why I use his voice because I think BTK is a little coward. That's just my opinion. <laughs> but but again, this also fits into Ted Bundy where he's had multiple girlfriends and even tricked women oh, into yeah. thinking that he's this great man, this family man. He wanted a family like yeah. Ted Bundy. Yeah, that does make sense. These rapists often have antisocial personalities but they hide their antisocialness. Sometimes this rapist typology will also have antisocial personalities, but they will portray themselves as somebody who doesn't, Mm -hmm. who doesn't have any, I guess, like mental instabilities, like nothing. They want it to be normal. They want it to feel normal. And they're aggressive in everyday life. So they're aggressive with their job, with their family. They're usually obsessive compulsive. And in a few studies, more than half of them were raised in a single family home or have divorced parents, were either sexually abused or physically abused. I mean, that can go either way. Or they were also raised in a sexually deviant home. So again, the abused becomes the abuser. It's like people that have been through such things that make them so angry. Mm-hmm. It's like the anger translated to their sexual preferences yeah. that also consumed them. That was normal for them. They've seen it. It's like, you know, they are watching it and they're behaving exactly. They're mirroring it. They're mirroring yeah. the behavior. Absolutely. So it's normal. Yeah. Now I'm going to kind of go into, I guess, uh, like methods of avoidance if you were to ever be in a terrible encounter with this styled offender. Mm. So if you're, and I say this very lightly, but if you're lucky enough to be unconscious from the start, you have to attempt anything to just try to avoid their anger. So usually if you're trying to resist, you have to do it in a clever manner where they're thinking that you're compliant. Yeah. 
because you do not want to get these, you know, sexual sadistic rapists upset. It's very triggering for them. Yeah. If you're tied up, you will have to, I guess, attempt to match their own wits. And because you you want to be able to trick them to untying you so you have some form of escape Mm -hmm. because usually this victim typology, they do not live. Most of the sexual sadists are going to not even give you the chance of escape or resistance is generally just out of the question. Yeah. They're the more brutal types of murderers. And yeah, that's basically all I had for you today. I wanted to just kind of dive right in and tell you more about like, you know, the method of attack, the mo the reason behind why they feel their aggression like yeah yeah and i think well i hope none of you ever have to use any of that stuff to escape anybody like this but i think this episode was a cool little casual talking and just we hear stories about all this it was kind of cool to hear a vague synopsis of what all this could mean yeah or what to do in a situation like this I think it's just always nice to kind of help you understand the reasons why the abused become the abusers and just the reason behind all of that. So so we hope you like it. We genuinely, genuinely apologize that there won't be a full-length episode this week. I feel like kind of broken up. I don't feel broken at all. I feel broken. But <laughs> <laughs> honestly, there just might next week be a – the next week be – a listener um, suggested case. So I might make it up to you guys. (laughs) We'll see. Stay tuned.